Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galina. Acknowledge me. And with me is my buddy, Scott Chu. Scott, what's going on? Oh, not much. I'm finally recovering from... Uh, a horrible i mean i was just sick as heck about a day after i got back from tout oh my just, god yeah it was like two days or i just felt like i got hit by a truck and then part i mean i think the main reason is because i was awake for like 36 of 40 hours or something like that wow uh, yeah it, it was it was a hike but uh, yeah you so, uh you said you were driving you left at like midnight and you drove straight through the, the, yeah oh yeah from I michigan to new york what michigan is that, like to a, new york yeah 10 10 uh, 12 hours what is that how long does it take yeah it was it was about 12 hours and like a, an hour of it was when i was in like within two miles of where we had tot wars because turns <laughs> out driving in new york city is as bad as they say it's welcome, awful welcome to my nightmare <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know um when i tell people like what my work commute is like you know people from out of state they're like you know they, they can't believe it you know it takes me i live in staten island and i work in downtown manhattan right at the tip of manhattan and it takes me typically you know an hour and 15 an hour and 20 minutes to get from my home to uh to my office and i know i know some people have 10 minute commutes and everybody's you know working from home these days or whatnot but just getting around new york city is very very tough and i'm sorry that that happened to you yeah i mean it was it was prime podcast listening time let me tell you yeah 24 hours of driving uh in two days but um yeah i mean if not for if not for commutes no one would ever listen to this so i don't want to knock commutes too much Right, exactly. Just so that we have a, a reference point, just want to let uh, everyone know that we're recording this podcast on Sunday, March 26th at about 11 a.m. So lots of breaking news happening. So just in case, uh, you know, the podcast drops on uh, Monday and, you know, we haven't covered something specific that happened. That's that's the deal is that we're recording this on March 26th at 11 a.m. That's a, a Sunday. So, yeah, so I wanted to talk about our uh, Tout Wars experience. You know, I, I was in the uh, head-to-head league uh, that drafted a Sunday afternoon, and uh, Todd Zola was the auctioneer. Jeff Erickson uh, was recording all the picks. And uh, just the whole experience, Scott, was just, like, you know, just awesome for me because I know you've been to a lot of you, – you go to first pitch and, and, and stuff. This was, you know, my first big – uh, gathering with you know the fantasy people and just get to meet everyone and you know uh, you know I, I met Ian Khan who uh, is part of Tout was the uh, 2019 head to head champion 2022 NL champion and a great actor he's he starred as as George Washington in a show uh, that was on AMC called Turn and I got to talk to him for a few minutes and he's a big big Yankee fan so that was a uh, you know just a thrill for me. And I, I got to meet people that I had, you know, communicated with over the years on Twitter, but got to meet them in person. Just really a great experience. 
Yeah, it's really fun if you're ever in the New York area during tout. Like anyone is really kind of. Um, I mean, you can work it out. You can come hang out with us. You can talk to all the people that are there because it's a great industry event because we meet other people in the industry. But we also, you know, we get to talk to other people who like fantasy baseball. Right. And, you know, there's there's just a finite number of those people in anyone's uh, close circle. Uh, my league was fun. It had people, you know, a couple of folks I, I know and love. Justin Mason, Nick Pollock, of course, was, is, is in my league. But uh, I'm in the 15 team mixed auction. So we'll we'll talk about that a little bit, too, and just the 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 live auction is a four to five hour gauntlet yeah. that is is worth preparing for but also it, it's a lot of fun and it it provides just the most ways to build the team right right yeah and you could i'm sorry you could prepare all you want but then there's the dynamics of of the actual draft and you know that could just throw you throw you out of whack but it, obviously it, it's it's good to be prepared and so like i said i, I was in the head-to-head points league uh frank stample from cbs sports two-time defending champion i had uh, i mean if i start mentioning people i'm going to leave people out but it's just you know uh, I, I sat uh, next to ariel cohen and it was great to meet him really a great baseball mind really a good person and uh on my left was sky dombrowski from the fantastics and uh, just a, a great room um and the the energy uh, from the draft and just it was a quick pace and, and Todd did, uh, Zola did a really great job and keeping the pace going but um, just to give a quick uh, recap um, so you know it, like I said head-to-head points leagues um, you get uh, a point for single two points for double three points for a triple four points for a home run now but when it comes to home run you're getting the the four points from a home run and then at least one run, uh, one point for an RBI and uh, another point for a run. So very important. And then on the, on the pitching side, uh, wins are seven points as are saves and uh, quality starts are, are three points and innings pitch are three. So, um, yeah, so in my league, uh, you know, hitters went for, for more than pitchers. Juan Soto uh, went for 44 bucks. I believe he was the most expensive hitter. Uh, Acuna went for 40 judge went for 39 and that's the same price I paid for one of your guys. I, I paid 39 for Kyle Tucker. Uh, but just in terms of, of my experience, you know, I, uh, I think I could have did a little bit better on my pitching staff. Um, and also just in general, Scott, um, I think I was a little bit timid in my bidding. Uh, I, I think I should have been a little bit more aggressive. I stopped bidding on some players, before I should have. And then at the end of the draft, Scott, uh, I was left with $17. Uh, so my last pick, you know, I, I, uh, I picked up, you know, DJ LeMayhew and I, I paid $17 for him because in this format, um, you can't take it with you. Exactly. So then if, if I, uh, put DJ LeMayhew on the IL, I get the $17 back into my fab. So it you, you, in this you have to basically it's smart to you know have zero dollars at the end. So that was my big thing that I just I, I wasn't aggressive enough and I, I stopped bidding on on players earlier than I should have. Yeah, and I think that's an important auction sort of thing to keep in mind is you can't take it with you, and it's o- it's okay to overpay sometimes for players that really fit your roster. You want to avoid overpaying early because it's just going to really impact your ability to be competitive with bids as you go forward in the draft. 
but especially in the in the middle rounds, it's okay to overbid a little bit or even sometimes early if it's a player that really fits your strategy that really fits what you're trying to do or you're just a big believer right um it's totally okay to overpay just a bit because again you can't take that money with you what was the point of having good value picks if you can't then use that money to turn it into high end picks uh so you know i i think there's the i don't know if this is what happened to you but i know it's happened to me before there's this uh there's this desire to get only the best values. And it's like, well, you don't need a good value on every pick, right? Right. You right. need the best team. And to do that, you will need good values, but sometimes you'll also have to pay full freight and that's okay. Right. right. And, and for instance, like I, I got good value on, on some players. Like I only paid 19 bucks for Michael Harris. So, and like you said, you know, if you're getting good value on other players, that, should free you up to be a little bit more aggressive in going for other players, you know, like the top guys, like, you know, Gary Cole or uh, Corbin Burns or whatnot. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, you know, I mean, just to go over real quick what, what my team looks like, uh, my top two pitchers are Zach Gallen and Tristan McKenzie. They've both had horrible springs so far. Uh, Galen, uh, his, uh, Velocity's been down a little bit, but he's the uh, opening day starter for the Diamondbacks. And uh, both of them are projected to get like a, you know, 180, 190 strikeouts. But I, I got good value, I think, on uh, guys like Pablo Lopez. Um, you know, Joe Ryan, I got I, I paid eight bucks for uh, for Lopez. Joe Ryan, uh, 16Ks and in 13 innings this spring, got him for five bucks, paid six bucks for uh, Cody Senga. Uh, Jameson Tyon, I got him for a buck. I didn't realize how great a spring this guy has had, uh, Tayon. Uh, 18Ks, zero walks this spring. Pretty good. Uh, and uh, I paid some money for Hunter Brown, uh, Astros' uh, top pitching prospect, uh, 10 bucks. And uh, I went strong on on closers. I, I got uh, Jordan Romano and Camilo Doval. Um, Doval, obviously, the closer for the Giants and Romano closer for the Blue Jays. So I feel I'm getting 60 saves between them as long as they're healthy and the saves are seven points each. Yeah, I, I, I saw that and I thought that was, you know, that that's pretty smart. Relievers in that particular format can be can be tough to fill uh, because it there's only so many of them that are actually scoring decent points. Mm -hmm. uh, I also I thought you got some really nice value pitcher you know i did like the avaldi pick for for three bucks i thought that was good obviously tyone for a buck i mean there's no bad one dollar player right uh, right even you know i've even talked about how i'm not i'm not super thrilled about oscar colas because i'm worried mm -hmm. about his ability to make contact but for a buck you Why bet not? yeah 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 right yeah. and you know so i thought i thought that went really well i think it's also interesting to look at how some of the position dollar values play out and we've talked about third base a lot Yes. on the show because third base is a tough one in draft. Let's talk about the auction values for third baseman, right? Rafael Devers, 27, Arenado, mm -hmm. 26, Riley, 25, Jose Ramirez, 39, mm -hmm. Alex Bregman, 25, Manny Machado, 31, Bobby Witt Jr., 28. All the rest of the third baseman were basically under $10. Right. Right. All of them. Like Gunnar Henderson was eight. Uh, Moncada was one. Justin Turner was one. Alec Bohm, who you took, is nine, who I really like in that points format. Yes. I also yeah, he's really been hitting home runs this spring, too. So I'm, and, I'm 
cross my fingers. So yeah, Ariel got I think just an amazing value on Yandy Diaz in that format for four dollars, mm-hmm. likely right. because he he comes up late when everyone's kind of set at third base. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Chapman only nine dollars, and it just continues to speak to how third base plays out. There's right. the haves and the have-nots. And the more drafts I do, the more I wind up in the have-nots. As much as I talked about how I was going to really prioritize getting one of these early third basemen, sometimes you're just not in a position to do that. And so if you're still, you know, I'm sure a lot of you uh, will be done with your drafts by the time uh, we're off the show. The first thing I'd be thinking about is what what do I do at third base if my guy goes down, Mm. right? Because it was a thin position in the draft, and that means the waiver wire is really thin. And I think you should really be looking at your waiver wire right now to know what third baseman you will take if yours currently goes down. Um, because if you don't, I, I mean, that is a position where I think people will really scramble if they lose, you know, if they lose a player. It's at third base. So really mm-hmm. look at that. Um, I, I think there's one player I was looking to see where he, where he wound up, and I don't even know if I see him. Where, how did it go with... Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, Jordan Walker. There he was. Only five. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, just got news that he made the team. Yeah, five bucks for uh, for Walker. Um, and I thought I also got, I mean, I was happy to pick up uh, Max Muncy in this format because it's not a, a batting average really doesn't matter. Home runs count. And I think he could hit 30. We spoke about him when we did our position previews. Not only that, but, you know, he'll walk, you know, 75 to 90 times uh, this season as well. And being second base and third base eligible, he's basically uh, eligible uh, all over the infield. Yeah, I I really like Max Muncy. He's one of these guys who, uh, when you talk about Max Muncy, what's really nice about him was how how easy of a narrative he had to understand why his season went the way it did. A Mm -hmm. lot of times we're left scratching our head about why a player's season wound up one way or another, Max Muncy's is easy, right? Mm-hmm. Starts the season hurt. He he isn't striking out necessarily more or anything. He's just making bad contact, probably because his elbow is still all messed up, sure, uh, or shoulder or whatever it was. Something something in his upper body was all messed up. Mm-hmm. As he gets healthier, the stats get better, right? Mm-hmm. And by the end of the season, he looks like regular Max Muncy. You yeah. can't ask for a cleaner narrative. Is that exactly what happened? Maybe, maybe not, but. Holy cow, Does is that a clean narrative that makes a lot of sense and should make you feel really good heading mm-hmm. into 2023 about what Max Muncy can do? I think 13 bucks. Uh, one, suggests that people in that league know how good he is in that league. Mm-hmm. And also, two, still a good value. It's not like, I, I mean, 20 would have been a lot. Right. right. But, uh, but 13, yeah. I mean, other players in that range would be like Christian Walker. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's another thing at auction to do is at some point your auction is no longer really going to follow the values you have coming in. And you're going to need to be able to make adjustments to those values based on how things are um, really shaping out in your league. I know that in mine, in that auction, saves became really, really expensive. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted them, you had to adjust your values on closers. Otherwise, you just weren't going to get them. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there's there was no value bidding going on and people just were willing to pay that much more for closers. So um, that was that's something that has to happen as you go. And I think just looking at the other players in this draft that go for twelve or thirteen dollars, I'm all over Max Muncy. Mm-hmm. Like I said, just a, a great experience, a learning experience for me. Uh, you know, there's something uh, about being in the room 
with your league mates and, and uh, you know, bidding against each other gives you a sense of energy. But also in the beginning, you know, I just wanted to get that first uh, winning bid in, you know, just under my <laughs> under my belt. And, um, you know, I thought of you when I when I, I, I got Kyle Tucker, because I know he's he's one of your big guys. And, and and the night before the name Mookie Betts came to me like, I, I, you know, I just got a, a feeling that I had to have Mookie Betts. And I had to win the bid on him uh, the next day. With the uh, the news that he's going to be playing some second base uh, this season, he's probably going to gain second base eligibility at some point this season. So he was somebody that I was targeting as well. Uh, got him for thirty five bucks. You know, I think I got him for what he's worth. Yeah, probably not many. Again, probably not many drafts going on after this airs. But in Yahoo formats, where Mookie Betts is already second base eligible, it it really changed changes his value yeah. uh, simply because that eligibility is huge. That position, especially in like a Yahoo format, which is three outfielders and just right. the first, second, third, second base is just that much more shallow. So uh, him being at the, he he's the number one, especially with Jose Altuve going down, he's the right. number one second baseman by a mile. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's something to, to also sort of keep in mind is, what position, you know, what players are going to gain eligibility going forward. This is a great time to be looking at tools like roster resource Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, lineup trackers and things like that, just to see like, where, where are people playing? Like, are they getting, are they playing in other positions? What players do we know will get more eligibility? Like Shay Langoliers Mm -hmm. will be, will get catcher eligibility within about the first two weeks of the season in most leagues, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. two and a half. So, you know, he's a player who you'd probably don't want starting as your utility, but the moment he gets that catcher eligibility, if he's on the wire, he's certainly worth looking at. Right. So uh, why don't we at this point take a quick break? Then I want to, you know, get your take on uh, what your Tout Wars experience was and your your draft. Uh, We'll get to that right after this. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Most weight loss programs are short-term fixes, but the problem is managing your weight needs a long-term solution. And that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight today and in the future. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 
98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we're back on Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galina. He is Scott Chu. And Scott, uh, you were in the 15... 15- 15 team uh roto auction draft um you know our draft uh, wasn't covered by uh Sirius but yours was so we started at about 2:30 we were done before 7 so i mean we weren't like limited to you know following Sirius's you know commercial breaks and and whatnot so uh our our draft just really went really quickly but uh you you know your guys uh draft was covered uh by Sirius and and a couple of the announcers were uh were liking the way you started off your draft so tell me about you know just in terms of what your experience was was like I'll tell you this I started slow in that I didn't take most of the early players that went up on the board in fact I only have one player over $30 on this mm-hmm. roster which uh, the way the auction values work in a 15 team league do change it up. There's a lot of teams that don't have many players over $30, but you know, it was something where I didn't spend more than 31 on any single player. And I have a much more balanced roster um, than, than maybe I even intended on going in players dry up fast in these 15 teamers. So, so that can be tough. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just, I mean, it's the same amount of money, but, a lot more teams. So a lot fewer players. I am happy that all of the players I have are basically, you know, confirmed most everyday players, except for maybe Isak Paredes, who mm-hmm. might oh, he's your guy. Yeah. yeah I, I, I do yeah. like Isak Paredes. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that. I can spend $2 and get a guy who can fill in, in, you know, first, second, third, which also means corner and middle infield. Uh, you have a really short bench. So it, it makes a big difference to get players who can fill all those different spots. So it, it felt, you know, it felt good. My outfield is not as good as I hoped, right? 15 team leagues, five outfielders. That's tough that, that's to, a lot. To, to get five good outfielders in a 15 team. So, yeah. And I don't know if there's any team. I mean, there's a, there's a couple that probably, you know, Doug Anderson has mostly five outfielders. I really like, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not crazy about Asturi Ruiz, but he got a great price for him for two dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other teams did do like the sort of budget outfield. Scott Pianowski from Yahoo, uh, he has you know four outfielders that are less than ten dollars. Mm-hmm. So you know, and you know Jeff Zimmerman played all value in his outfield, right? I mean, right. he has Masataka Yoshida and then Jorge Soler, Austin Meadows, Lane Thomas, Jose Siri. Something Jeff Zimmerman did was he did save his money a bit early on. You'll notice he doesn't have any players more than $25. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know people, I mean, there's probably people out there going like, we don't want to hear about your drafts. What I will say about some of these tout drafts is going, go look and see what people were willing to pay for a player. Go and look and see uh, how people built their teams in these auctions because Jeff Zimmerman is a guy, you know, who I, I respect a great deal. He's, he's brilliant. He has great strategies when it comes to these auctions. So seeing him come in and just the way he did this, I mean, I'm sure he'd like to get the $17 back from Reese Hoskins. Uh, we did this before the injury. Um, yeah. It was interesting to see that he was willing to pay up for two top catchers, right? Mm-hmm. So he goes 22 on Dalton Varsho and 20 on MJ Melendez. Uh, no one, you know, uh, no one else really did that. Um, 
no one, I mean, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Nobody went $20 on two different catchers, Mm -hmm. right? In fact, only three catchers went for $20 and he has two of them. So that's really interesting to me. And then, and it sort of makes me rethink about how maybe I went into it. Right. I mean, I was glad to get Will Smith for 18. I thought that was, that was great. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you know, why, why did he want two good catchers so badly? Right. So that's definitely something I'm going to be looking into Two catcher leagues can be kind of tougher to navigate. So uh, we'll see how it all goes out. You will see several teams go with the no catch, uh, the pseudo no catcher strategy. Right. Right. Where, you know, Austin Nola plus Nick Fortes for Kev. I can't remember. Uh, he's yeah. Uh, I can't remember how to say his last name, but uh, Masterijan, I think. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, you know, he, he went, Apologize, that, uh, Kev. yeah, <laughs> CJ uh, Colton back went with Max Stassi and Logan O'Hoppy, mm-hmm. which is basically zero catcher, right? Uh, they're mm-hmm. both on the same team. Uh, Brett Sayer went with two $1 catchers. Zach Steinhorn went for a $2 and $1 catcher. So interesting to see the way that those strategies, I- I'm kind of curious to see how those strategies play out. And right. did it work out to get no catchers, especially right. with the way the depth at the top of catcher is really getting stronger and stronger. It went right. from there being two or three good catchers to now. I mean, tons of catchers went for more than $15 in this Tyler Stevenson, Will Smith, Alejandro Kirk, Dalton Varsho, MJ Melendez, Sean Murphy went for 14. Sal Perez went for 14 JT real Mudo for 26 and Wilson Contreras for 18. Like they're, Oh, and uh, William Contreras went for 13. So, mm-hmm. I mean, lots of lots of catchers demanding double digit dollars, which just isn't something we've seen as much in the past. It's really right. changing the way that that position kind of plays out. Yeah. Gary and Thorne also played a lot, paid a lot for his catchers. Got two really good ones as well. JT Rio Muto for 26 and Salvador Perez for 14. So you're right. Is when you look at the, the way that the, uh, the draft played out, you have some that, you know, paid a, a buck each for, for, for their catchers. And then uh, a couple others that really went all in on their catchers. So we'll see what, how it works. So, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I was listening to some of the draft and, and Justin Mason, uh, I think he was the last uh, drafter to actually, you know, pick someone, win a bid, and then he finished before everyone else. So, I mean, there's a guy who really knows, <laughs> you know, who we wanted and, 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 and what, you know, that's impressive that, you know, he waited and waited and waited. And then just, you know, once he got into attack mode, uh, just drafted his team and was done. Yeah. I, I mean, I love Justin. Um, yeah. I've known him. I've known him for a while now and I did steal Cedric Mullins from him and probably paid an extra one or $2 that I didn't need to, mm-hmm. uh, this is an OBP league. So that's something I should, I should point out. Uh, the, the tout wars mixed 15 team is an OBP league. I paid $23 for Corbin Burns or sorry, uh, for I've $23 for Cedric Mullins, who Justin has just always been really high on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt good to take him from him. And, and that's something in an auction that you just got, you might got to save an extra dollar or two just to kind of make your friends mad. Yeah. Um, it, it's worth every penny. The other thing I did want to mention in this auction is, is closer, right? We talked mm-hmm. about how um, closers in this league. I mean, they, the prices got hot and heavy early right. on C- catchers going for, you know, 20 bucks a pop. I just decided not to. I ended up with Jose Leclerc and Paul Sewald for a total of $7. Wow. 
I was uh, just looking at that, and I thought you got really good value. And I, I think that, you know, Leclerc is, is going to open the season as the Rangers closer. And so I, for two bucks, I mean, that's fantastic. And everyone's talking about uh, Andres Munoz and, and that he's going to be stealing save opportunities uh, from uh, Seawald. But I was listening to an interview uh, with the, uh, the uh, I think his last name is DePolo, the Mariners GM. And he kind of said that pretty much it seems that they're going to do what they did last year. And I think Seawald will probably be the main guy there. I mean, Munoz is going to get his, his uh, you know, save opportunities. But I, th- I think you got, you know, 20 saves at least from Seawald for five bucks. Yeah, especially when you look at other players, you know, who who are in that sort of role, which would be like Pete Fairbanks. He went mm-hmm. for 12. Munoz yeah. himself goes for 11. Um, Joan Duran. Uh, goes for nine. So to get Paul Sewald, who yeah. could have lost the closing job last year, but didn't, right? You know, to get him for for five, I think was was a felt like a really big win. Um, other closer, you know, a closer who goes late in drafts, who isn't getting a lot of look, and who I think has got a very safe hold on this job is the guy that Jeff Zimmerman took for four dollars, and that's Kyle Finnegan. And mm-hmm. Kyle Finnegan is a guy being overlooked as someone who maybe won't have the amazing ratios, but they won't hurt you. Um, He's not going to strike out 15 guys per nine, but he should get eight or nine strikeouts Mm -hmm. per nine, nine, you know, Mm -hmm. decent. And, you know, he goes for $4 in this auction and he goes almost undrafted in a lot of 12 team leagues. So I think he's someone that if he's on your wire right now, especially in these weekly leagues where you might find yourself down by a save or two. Yeah. The Nats aren't going to win a ton of games, but when they have winnable games, they're going to be close. Mm-hmm. Right. This isn't a team that's going to blow a lot of teams out. So when they win, they're going to need Kyle Finnegan. I thought he did just fine to close the year last year. He's someone who I really think you should look at towards the end of drafts mm-hmm. to look at another guy who went for one dollar by Brett. Say he he got Ronaldo Lopez for a dollar. And the thing with Ronaldo Lopez is I I like his stuff. I think that he's going to be in the mix for saves there. I think he's a great watch list candidate, Ronaldo Lopez. Um, but this is also an opportunity to mention that Liam Hendricks has gotten good news so far in his recovery. Uh, he may not be back till the all-star break, but it's not out of the question. He comes back in May or June. So what I'd say is I love getting Ronaldo Lopez for a buck, but don't get caught up in any bidding wars on the Chicago White Sox replacement closers. Cause one, it's a messy picture. And two, they might not have that job for as long as we thought originally. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, see, David Robertson went for six bucks, which look, you know, Mets going to win a ton of ton of games this year. And uh, at least for the start of the season, I think he's going to be the number one guy there. I mean, everyone's talking uh, out and whatnot. I think out you know, he, he does better as a, as a setup guy. Yeah, he's going to get his opportunities. But I think Robertson, at least for the first month or so of the season until the Mets could maybe put together some kind of a, a trade or something, I think Robertson for six bucks, good deal. I'm not even sure they will trade. They've got two guys with closing experience in the back end of this bullpen. They've got good mm-hmm. stuff. I, I think one of these two, I, I think it's worth at least late in drafts grabbing one of them, right? right. I do think Robertson is sort of moving up just a little bit. Oh, yeah. uh, people are recognizing that he might be the guy instead of out of mm-hmm. um, But, but again, you know, as long as you're not paying too much, you go for either one and April's going to be a time when closer roles just get nuts. Right. Um, you know, I can't even remember his name right now, but the guy who got the first two saves last year for the Toronto blue Jays, he got like two saves over the course of a weekend, then mm. didn't get 
a save again for like the rest of the season. He dealt with injuries, all these other things, but he was, the fab went crazy for him. Uh, Julian Merriweather mm-hmm. was his name. He's actually, he's, he just got lost off waivers to the Cubs uh, earlier this off season, but like it was, it was nuts. You know, mm-hmm. the fab in, you know, the thing with the thing with closers, if you didn't, you know, if you decided you're going to get clover closers off the waiver wire or in fab, nothing against that strategy. Don't do it in the first two weeks of April, right? Because we're all, we always think we're really sure of things early in April. Um, we, we see huge overreactions in the save market in April. So just be really careful as you're bidding these first couple of, uh, waivers in, in April, especially with closers, just Mm -hmm. be really careful. Let Julian Merriweather be, be a, a warning bell for you. That stuff does happen. And as good as a guy looks like, that doesn't mean they win the job, mm-hmm. right? Teams are managing their bullpens early. They are getting their, you know, they're, they're getting players in game action, right? Mm-hmm. If, you know, if, uh, if Jose LeClerc doesn't get the first two saves for Texas, don't cut him yet. Right. Right. Just give it a little bit of time. Saves are super fluky. They're really situational. Really make sure if, if you really are believing that someone's lost a job, make sure you look and that they didn't pitch earlier in a tougher situation, Again, it's an extremely situational role. So really or, just keep your eye take on what's at, going on. Yeah, take a look at box scores too because if you just see that you know someone got a save out of nowhere uh, and he picked up the save in the 10th inning, <laughs> you know, maybe the closer went in, uh, you know, in the ninth inning and then, you know, the game went into over, uh, you know, into extra innings and then, you know, it, it just might be a situational thing. So take a look at box scores and, and see when uh, managers are bringing in and uh, their their relief pitchers and whatnot. And I, I really was I was going to talk about him later, but uh, Rossiel Iglesias, right? Uh, the presumed Braves closer uh, was shut down for a week because of low grade shoulder inflammation. So it's looking like AJ Minter is going to be the guy there. But they also have a cup. They have a deep bullpen with Joe Jimenez and Colin McHugh. But if you're going to talk like, like you know, just like somebody to keep in your back pocket, take a look at Scott McGuff for the Diamondbacks, right? Um, you spell his name M-C-G-O-U-G-H in case you're looking for him. Gaining some traction, could be in line for save opportunities for the Diamondbacks who really haven't named a closer as of yet. Uh, you look at what this guy has done so far and spring trading, nine strikeouts, two walks, but has had 69 saves in his last two seasons closing in Japan. So uh, always good to keep these relievers on your watch list because especially with closers, it's just a, a continuing uh, – it's just it evolves so quickly. Yeah, a lot of guys in Arizona who may or may not win a job, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, roster resource lists four potential closers for the Diamondbacks. Right. Kevin Ginkle, right. Andrew Chafin, Miguel Castro, Scott McGo. I like McGo, maybe the best of them. Right. Uh, I think it's going to be tough for Chafin, who's a lefty, uh, to to sort of win that role. Uh, only one of them had, uh, or really none of them are projected for more than 10 saves. Uh, may, I think some places have Ginkle because he's at the top of that list right now, but that's a big question mark. To go back to what I was saying, don't overreact to any of this in April, but keep an eye on it, right? Mm. And, and maybe you can, if Mago's on your watch list, that gives you the chance to scoop him up early, mm-hmm. right? Uh, especially, you know, if you're trying to trying to play that game, it, it's going to be tough. I mean, replacing closers at this stage of the year, this is the most expensive time to do it, 
right. uh, which really stinks. So we know that you know we have we have another podcast on the network that uh, with with the great Rick Graham that talks about relievers in more detail. I'd say the situations I'm watching the closest are Arizona, uh, Chicago between Michael Fulmer, Bo- uh, Brad Boxberger, and Brandon Hughes. I mm-hmm. think that one that one is is really really tight. Uh, I'm interested to see if Clay Holmes keeps that job in New York. I think mm-hmm. he probably should, but he was not their first choice uh, last season. So if he struggles early, I'd be a little concerned. I'd want to see what Michael King or maybe Jonathan Lewisica bring to the table. Probably more like King. Yeah. But I, I think I think he opens up. Holmes does as the Yankee. Oh, closer. he does. No, yeah, yeah. no doubt about it. No doubt. It. Yeah. Um. Th- there's a five. I mean, we talked about it a little bit already. It's a five man closer rotation for now in uh in Chicago on the south side with the White Sox. Yeah. Between yeah. Graveman, Bummer, Kelly, uh, Ronaldo Lopez, Deekman, and Jose Ruiz. I definitely think it's probably Graveman. It, it's yeah. really more of a three man race to me with Graveman, Bummer, and Lopez. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lopez has looked really good this spring. I think he probably has the best stuff of this group. Uh, but Graveman's had that job before, and he's done a good job with it. So, right. um, and that's key. If you have closer experience, <laughs> you have the leg up on on yeah. uh, folks. And, and a guy who's gone really late in drafts, who I think has been a really good value for people, but who doesn't really have any track record to speak of. That's Alex Lang in Detroit. So it looks like he's the closer to start the year, and there's not a lot of other elite guys in the back of this bullpen, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he, he does have decent velo. He is someone who they thought of as a protect, uh, as a potential guy to go in the back of this bullpen. He has one career save uh, in his 99 innings. He gets strikeouts. He walks too many guys. So, so that's a problem. It's hard to be a closer who walks guys. It, so yes, that's the thing. Yes. That's the thing that really concerns me about Lang. And if he, but if he doesn't have the job, I think it's total crapshoot. Like Lord mm-hmm. knows, like Jose Cisnero has been on this team for a while. It could be him, Jason Foley. Um, I'm not watch listing those guys in 12 team leagues, but I'm keeping an eye on that in the 15 teamers. Um, Carlos Estevez in LA uh, for the Angels. He was brought in to be the closer. He's had an awful, awful spring. Mm-hmm. And Angels management has said they're not worried about it, but I'd definitely be taking a look at Jimmy Herget, who they had as a closer towards the end of last year. So, um, you know, that that's a big one. And then finally, as you mentioned, the replacement for Rizal Iglesias, who I'm not sure we know quite how long he'll be out yet, but it's definitely A.J. Minter mm-hmm. with Joe Jimenez being maybe a backup. I mean, as a Tigers guy, I know all about Joe Jimenez. He's not that good. Another very sneaky, sneaky name. Very, very deep leagues. Keep an eye on Kirby Yates, former oh, high-end yeah. closer. Yes. And Nick, Nick Anderson, when he broke out with a race, he was a monster. Has mm-hmm. not found that sort of reliability in recent years, but Something to keep an eye on, especially if you're in those saves and holds leagues. Um, I think the one guy you can say won't be in the running is Colin McHugh because I just don't, he's never really held a role like that before. He's someone that they rely on for lots of innings. But yeah, AJ Minter, the lefty, he does look like the start. I'm, I am interested to see though if other righties get a chance. Right. And, and since we're talking, you know, closers and teams that have multiple pitchers that could close for them, you got to mention the Marlins as well. Um, you know, could be AJ Puck, could be Dylan Floro, uh, Tanner Scott might get a chance. I, I think it's going to be Floro to open the season, but Puck is going to be right behind him, I think. Yeah, Floro's the righty, right? Mm-hmm. And righties generally have a big advantage over lefties. Uh, AJ Puck, former uh, starting prospect back when he was in Oakland A, uh, I like his stuff the best. I want him to win the job. 
I'm not sure he will, but definitely someone I'll be rooting for to win that job at the very least. And if he does get the job, I think he'll be very good. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think the only other one to really look at would be the Dodgers. So the Dodgers have Evan Phillips really at the top of this list. Keep an eye on Bruster Gratterall. Mm-hmm. You know, Bruster uh, and Daniel Hudson is likely to start the season on the IL. But when he comes back, I wouldn't be shocked if they give that uh, the veteran a a chance to really uh, win that role as well. I think there's a lot of projection systems that had him originally as the guy. He got mm-hmm. five saves last season for the for the Dodgers. So, you know, they're comfortable with him in that role. Pitched really, really well last season. Two point two two ERA, only 24 innings, though. Uh, has it, you know doesn't have a ton of miles probably left on this 36 year old arm, but someone that could come in and sweep that job away. Phillips, of course, with the 1.14 ERA last season was just unbelievable. Uh, So he's, he's probably the guy I want to start, but if he doesn't work out or they decide to use him as a fireman, Bruster Gratterall, former Mm -hmm. Minnesota twins prospect, his stuff is just nasty. He throws 9,900 miles per hour all the time. Uh, He is, he is someone, and actually, you know, in recent news reports, they've suggested that he might be one of the leading closer candidates because they might use Evan Phillips as a fireman. So mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. definitely someone I'll have on watch list. His he throws one of those power sinker kind of things. That's why his strikeout rates aren't as high as you'd think. Uh, sort of like Dustin May throws this power sinker. Doesn't get as many strikeouts as you'd like, but the control is really, really good. And yeah, I think the ratios will be fantastic if he gets that role. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Why don't we keep on going? How about the Phillies? You have, uh, you know, Rob Thompson, their manager, doesn't like to designate one pitcher as their closer. So many managers go in that route, right? Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Jose Alvarado, and then and Craig Kimbrell. Uh, all three of these guys I just mentioned, even Gregory Soto from the Tigers, they, they picked him up. So the four guys I just mentioned do have some closer experience. And, uh, you know, you just got to wonder if – uh, I, I kind of like Dominguez, tell you the truth, but I don't know how you feel. Yeah, to me, it's between uh, Dominguez and Kimbrell, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Kimbrell, you know, he says he has no issue being, you know, in that closer committee. He's one of, you know, he's he's one of the best living closers, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the guy, and he keeps getting saves, right? Like teams have not really brought him on to not get saves. In 2020, he only got the two because he had that really rough year. Uh, 2019, I mean, really his whole time with the Cubs was bad. But when you look past his years with the Cubs, he still looks like a heck of a pitcher, right? Mm-hmm. The strikeout rate was down last season, but it was still 10.8 guys per nine innings. Um, he got, you know, 20, he's got at least 20 saves in just about every season outside of his two years with the Cubs, right? right? So, I, I like him again to get 20 uh, and you can get him generally very late in drafts. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, I think the one guy you can toss out is it's not going to be Gregory Soto. He's mm-hmm. a ticking time bomb waiting to happen. He walks <laughs> way too many guys. He's a lefty. Yeah. Jose Alvarado is a better lefty. Right. And then they also have Matt Strom in this bullpen, who who I think has great stuff uh, mm-hmm. thrown from the left side. So I, why they wanted Gregory Soto remains a mystery to me. But they've got him, but there's no way he closes. Right. Uh, last one, then we'll t- take a quick break. Um, the uh, just, just some news on uh, Ryan Helsley, the closer for the Cardinals. I, I thought I read something where uh, Marmel, the manager, had said that he's not going to be pitching uh, two days in a row. So that still leaves the uh, door open for Giovanni Gallegos to get a few saves. You know, you know maybe like a eight to 10, you know, if, if uh, Helsley's not going to pitch back to back. 
I would say that we need to expect for every team to give about 10 saves away to somebody else. Maybe not mm-hmm. one player, mm-hmm. but 10, 10 to 15 saves just aren't going to be with the main guy. Right. That's just how things work out. Ryan Helsley has had a lot of dur- durability issues in his career. Last season was the first time he pitched over 50 innings in a, on the major league roster. And of course he was fantastic. 1.25 ERA, 13 strikeouts per nine innings. I, 19 saves. He actually didn't have that job to start the year. He got it later on. Most projection systems have him for 25 to 30 saves. I think that's still about right. And here's the thing. Guys don't get back-to-back saves very often, mm-hmm. right? You just they, they are more often to get one save per week than two. We know that because the top closers only get about 20 to 30 saves, right? Maybe 30 to 35 even for the very best. That's certainly not two a week, mm-hmm. right? So him not yep, pitching on yep. back to back this I hope it makes his I hope it makes his draft stock fall because mm-hmm. I never count on guys getting like uh, how many saves do you lose if you don't pitch on back to back days how many times did guys even get saves on back to back days it just doesn't happen very often it's not something that really concerns me much at all it'll mm-hmm. be a very situational thing if you're playing you know if you're streaming for saves there will be days especially if you're listening to our first pitch podcast uh it won't be me um, during the week, it'll actually be a uh, you know, great podcaster, uh, Bubba Casey. Bubba That's is going to news. be yeah. is going to be running the first pitch podcast during the week. Um, I won't be able to. I've got those twin babies on the way any day now, so uh, I won't be able to do that this season. Maybe next season I can get back to it because I love that podcast. But you need to listen to it all the time. And one part of that podcast is calling out guys who can get vulture saves. Mm-hmm. And if you can, I talk about this with stolen bases and saves. If you can stream one a week mm-hmm. in Roto. That's like 25 of each stat. Right. And, and go and look at your standings at the end of last season and see how much 25 changes. Let's say you only get half of them, 13. How many do thir- How many points do you get for 13 more saves or 13 stolen bases by having a 50% success rate streaming one of them a week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a big difference. Yes. Yep. All right. So good stuff. Uh, I like your team. I was a little surprised to see Gleyber Torres on there because I know in the past you've been a little wishy-washy on him. And he does. He's very hot and cold. But as a Yankee fan, you know, I support him. But uh, For 12 I th- bucks, I support him. I know. Him. <laughs> no, but I, I do. I think you uh, drafted a very competitive team. And now we just both of us got to work on, uh, uh, you know, tweaking it and working the waiver wire, making some trades and whatnot. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, just what? I, yeah. I feel like I feel like you're intentionally skipping the reserve round. So this this particular no, auction, no, no. we draft the bench. You don't use mm-hmm. your money on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's let me just say that this team is me putting my money where my mouth is, which to me is very important in you know in a league like this. So obviously, I took my guy Isak Paredes for two dollars. O'Neill Cruz, who I can't stop talking about how much better he got throughout the season last year. I got him for twenty, uh, and I liked that. Um, you know, I. I haven't said many things about Corbin Carroll, but I'm a big Corbin Carroll believer, especially in OBP. So for 20 bucks, I felt really good about that. But um, obviously on, on the bench, I did take Tarek Scooble. I think he's going to be really good when he gets back, uh, mm-hmm. probably in June. Okay. And you know, I drafted a kill, I'm not doing a podcast. I'll mention kill, I did draft kill, I think that he actually has a shot to be the leadoff guy for the tigers, 12 team team, 12 team leagues. You really just don't need to care, but where, you know, AL only or 15 teamers, I think Akil Badu has won a job on this team. And I think mm-hmm. he's done it on the large side of the platoon at the top of this lineup. So I think that's something to to really pay attention to. Obviously, I'm watching the transaction tracker for the next couple of days. We're going to see teams finally make their final cuts to send guys down. 
Um, I know recently they sent down Will Vest and Donnie Sands, who were two guys who I thought might be interesting in the back of that bullpen. Alex Fiedo got sent down, but you know, there, there's a great transaction tracker over on fan graphs. If you go to the roster resource tab, you go to the very bottom, it says transaction tracker. You can see the guys who have been sent down uh, in the, you know, in the last couple of days. And there's a lot of that going on, right? So Brett Batty was sent down on the 25th, uh, you know, big, big time prospect. Juan Yepes sent mm. down by the Cardinals, which yep. is how Jordan Walker gets his spot. I mean, there was a lot of questions on how that was going to work out. That's one way for that to happen, right? I mean, that's, that's how I'm noticing, you know, Joe Adele was sent down on the 24th, mm-hmm. a guy who just can't really seem to, to make it happen. Uh, you know, forever Rocky Garrett Hampson sent down Jordan Groshans for the Miami Marlins. I thought he might be interesting if he got a job on that team. He did not. He sent down really watch this over the next couple of days because there's going to be big players who get sent down and you might not catch every tweet, mm-hmm. right? Not, not all of them are going to go or, you know, are going to hit your timeline, uh, you know, with, with the Musk calculus, you know, so, so really pay attention to it. See, see what happens. Cause it'll also show you guys that you know, as the season goes on, we'll show you who you, who might be coming up soon or have been sort of pegged as being called up for a future date. It's a great way to find streaming pitchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this is on, on fan graphs on the roster resource section. Uh, there's a, the 2023 transaction tracker. Take a look at that. Use it throughout the season. See who's being called up. See who's being sent down. Uh, you'll see surprises. Um, and again, at this time of year, it's a huge piece of news in terms sure. of it's going to, I mean, it's shaking up how rosters go, mm-hmm. uh, particularly again. I mean, we'll talk about just because I've, I've been a low guy on Jordan Walker. I probably still am. I still think he's at the bottom of this lineup. I still think he's going to share time because there's Nolan Gorman who probably deserves to see time. Alec Burleson yeah. yeah. probably deserves to see time that said, you know, and Jordan Walker's probably only really, I mean, and the outfield is full right between because if Jordan Walker gets more time, who's he taking it from? He's either got to take it from Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, or Lars Newbar, right? Again, injuries are very possible. They can open all this up, but something to just kind of keep an eye on is, you know, that team who's coming up and down. If Nolan Gorman or Alec Burleson, they're probably not going to be sent down yet. But if later we see they're getting sent down, that tells you that Jordan Walker is getting more playing time. Well, Burleson, I think they've uh, informed him that he's made the team. And he's, yeah, you know, every, these guys are going to make the team, but yeah, yeah. how long will they stay on the team? That's the other question that I think yeah. you know, making the team is one thing, but it's also my issue for Jordan Walker. If he starts mm-hmm. slow, I don't, I don't think he necessarily will. He's got a ton of talent, but he's 20 years old. Mm-hmm. If he starts slow, right. And he's only got the 119 games above a ball, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's more than Juan Soto had. Uh, and that's, you know, that's more than Akil Badu had, but uh, it, it's something where it, it could really, it could really come up. It could be an issue. So he could get sent down. He's obviously still got tons of options left. It's one thing to make the team. That's a huge step. The reason I have not placed him among my top 15 third baseman is because making the team and staying on the team are just different things. Hmm. All right. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll continue this. And uh, the couple of uh, second basemen I want to talk about that might be, have some fantasy value in deep leagues and uh, Braves uh, completed their, uh, their uh, rotation. Uh, We'll uh, check that out right after this. Sometimes it can feel like food has an emotional control over you. Well, it's time to show your food. Who's boss with Noom. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. 
Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. And uh, before the break, we were talking about, you know, teams solidifying their rosters. And uh, this podcast is going to come out uh, Monday, and there's going to be a lot more transactions happening. Um, and so we'll keep track of that Um and um, since our last podcast, a lot of stuff has happened, though, Scott. So, uh, you know, you, you talked about the, the Cardinals making their moves. Uh, Jordan Walker has made the team and Alec Burleson, who everyone was in on, on Walker. But when you look at Burleson, man, he's, uh, you know, he had uh, a power hitting uh, prospect. Two seasons in the minor leagues, has a 300 batting average, at 842 uh, OPS. And uh, lots of powers, but uh, you brought up a good point. You know, making the team is different than, you know, staying on the roster and being successful. Um, but, yeah, lots of stuff has happened. I mean, Jose Altuve uh, fractured his right thumb uh, after getting hit by a pitch in the World Baseball Classic. And, you know, second base being such a uh, position of scarcity in fantasy. Uh, any interest in, in David Hansley in a deeper league? Because uh, it looks like he might be getting... Uh, a lot of the playing time uh, while Altuve recovers. And it looks like he could be, Altuve could be out for, I don't know, it depends who you who you listen to. It could be eight weeks. So we're talking probably May, June for Altuve. Yeah, this is probably more of like an NL only kind of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hensley is, a, is pretty much just a hit tool guy. Uh, doesn't run a lot. I mean, last season in AAA, he did have 10 home runs and 20 steals. So, I mean, that's something I, I wouldn't expect that. You know, he has good plate discipline. Uh, at least that's what he's shown in the minor leagues. He walks a lot and strikes out a lot. Uh, not a lot, but he does walk and strike out. I, I think he's someone who in a full season might get to that, like 10 home run town stolen base mark. 
Mm-hmm. And that means his value needs to come all from batting average. So 15 teamers as a, an emergency middle infield. Sure. Right. But beyond that, not, not super interested. Um, you know, when it comes to middle infielders, if there's a guy that I, obviously I think people are paying attention to, and I know you're paying attention to him. It's Anthony Volpe. Sure. Yeah. So Anthony Volpe, if you're looking for a middle infielder, of course, um, Anthony Volpe probably wasn't drafted. If you drafted a month ago, uh, because unless you're in like a draft and hold, because we just didn't know if he'd make the team. Now it looks like Oswald Peraza is the odd man out, right? Yeah. He suffered it's, it's an a- unfortunate late game injury, which will give, I think the team an excuse to send him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I but, think that the Yankees had made the decision. They're not announcing it, but I, I Volpe's made the team. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's, which, you know, obviously he's, he's every bit the prospect Jordan Walker is not quite mm-hmm. the same prospect. Cause Jordan Walker is like this 30 to 35 home run kind of bat as an mm-hmm. upside. Whereas Volpe's like a Boba Chet kind of uh, upside sort of play. And that you could see the 20 home runs, 20 steals. Mm-hmm. Right. In, in a full season. I think that's what you're looking for from Volpe. Uh, Volpe only has, 22 games in triple a and he did strike out a lot. So I'm interested to see if you know what his strikeout rate looks like early on in the season. Cause again, making the team and keeping the job is not quite the same, especially on a Yankees team that has a ton of options at shortstop and probably doesn't have a lot of patience. Hmm. Right. I mean, this team needs to win. Yeah. So I, I, but again, Volpe, if he wasn't drafted in your league, he needs to be a top priority waiver move because the upside is amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as I keep talking about, oh, I'm not really in on Jordan Walker. I mean that relative to my peers where I'm not drafting him to start on my team as a third baseman, maybe in, in my last utility spot. Sure. It also means I'm probably not getting him. Volpe, another guy who I don't want is my starting shortstop to start the season in 12 team leagues at all. Mm-hmm. But he's someone there's only so many prospects worth benching in a 12 team league. Anthony Volpe is one of them. Yeah, he is a guy worth stashing on your roster because if he is, is you know, if he can hit the ground running, which again is very difficult to do as a 21 year old, and mm-hmm. we were just excited about guys like Jared Kellenick, who has had a good off se- who's had a good off season, he's had a good spring, but he's struggled at the major league level. That could very well happen to any of them, right? right? No one is immune to that kind of thing from happening. But uh, I do think he's got a really good shot to be a really good player. He just needs to play pretty much well right off the bat because mm-hmm. other guys want these spots, right? Yep. Oswaldo Cabrera is a guy they want to get into the lineup, right? Uh, and there's ways for them to do that. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is still on this team and he's going to yep. play sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So he's someone they, they really want to get in. Willie Calhoun's making this team apparently, but that's, that's more well, funny he, than it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's had a good spring and yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know, DJ LeMahieu is there too. He's going to be playing some, yeah, he, somewhere. And he might, <laughs> you know, just to call him out, he might be a leadoff guy for this yeah. team. It, the man, you know, management has talked about how they like him as the leadoff hitter. He gets which, on base, which is interesting. Yeah. So even if he doesn't have the power that he had in 2019, which, which mm-hmm. he doesn't, Right, who, who does have the power they had in 2019? Yeah, <laughs> right. We've yeah, talked he, about 2019. Yeah, f- 15 is is the absolute hard ceiling yeah. for for power here. But mm-hmm. you don't care about the home runs because he could score. I mean, his he could score 90 runs right mm-hmm. at the top of this lineup. No oh, problem. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. if he doesn't quite play every day, he's also a guy they will use to get other players in the lineup. So I do I, with with Volpe. I want to see how well he performs, and I want to see how often you know in the very first two weeks. How often does he sit, mm-hmm. right? Because the other thing is in weekly leagues, it's really hard to have guys who sit two or three times a week. Volpe is, again, good enough that you probably got to start him anyway, but man, that would not be a good sign to see him sit two or three times in the first 
first week mm-hmm. or two or three times a week. Uh, I think that he should be playing every day. And if they can't play him every day because he's struggling against tough righties or things like that, that's another reason they'd send him down because for his long-term development, he needs to be playing every day. He can't share a job. Yeah. Right. So that'll be the other thing I think to watch to see if that happens. I think if he makes the team, though, he's staying unless he reaches totally tanks because, you know, he's the blue chip prospect that the Yanks have. And uh, I think they really believe in him. They're going to have a long leash with him. And I know you you're right. You know, they want to win and win now and, and get off to a good start. But I think they're going to have a long leash with him. Yeah. And again, you know, just to talk about a guy like Spencer Torkelson, who I like, who's had a great, great spring. He was a guy who I mean. We did see that the Tigers stuck with him for a long time. And he's absolutely like he also is on the level like this kind of level of prospect, mm. right? Uh absolute, you know, top-tier prospect. They did eventually send him down because he was playing so poorly. So that's the other thing you'll have to do as a fantasy manager is just kind of decide like if he is playing poorly, just because the team's keeping him, should you, right? Mm-hmm. How long can you bench him? How long can you manage him? Just things to keep in mind that that's not really actionable right now. It will be later. And of course, I, I started all this just to say he should absolutely be at the top of your watch list. Yeah. Anthony yeah. Volpe and Spencer Torkelson, if he's still out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and by the time that this podcast uh, debuts, we'll have more information on this. But, you know, a shortstop is even more important now because of the news of uh, Wanda Franco uh, is going to have an MRI on his right quad. And it's really disappointing because you know, he's had injury issues early in his career, such a, a you know, top uh, notch hitter, uh, contact skills and whatnot. So you're really hoping that he would be able to play, you know, 140, 150 games a season. But let's let's not jump to conclusions, but uh, you know, uh, let's keep an eye on yeah. that as well. Go ahead. And and he still could, of right? course, he could yeah. still very well play 140 games, which is probably mm-hmm. as much as you wanted to project him for anyway, with a long injury history. Uh, so you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, I. Any worries about how this would impact his ability to steal bases, I think is offset by the change in rules and how aggressive his team is on the bases. So Mm -hmm. I still, you know, as of right now, I'm still trying to hold that 130 to 140 game line where he gets close to 15 home runs, close to 15 stolen bases, a bunch of counting stats uh, because he'll be in the middle of this lineup and he's a good hitter. Uh, And of course, a batting average that's, you know, north of 280, if not 300. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Michael Massey is another guy. If you're looking for a middle infielder replacement, uh, Royal second baseman, uh, power speed combination in three minor league seasons, 294 batting average with 862 OPS, uh, played 52 games for the Royals last season, uh, kind of held his own, you know, four home runs, three stolen bases, a 243 batting average. Didn't go crazy, but, uh, has a, a good pedigree and, uh, you know, just talking about this middle infield and, and second base position, because that's what Michael Messi is, a second baseman. Uh, were you shocked when uh, Vaughn Grissom got sent down? I was. Mm-hmm. I was because Orlando Arcia, uh, he, he has yeah. he doesn't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. I don't. He's not interesting. He's not fun. This is a team that I think absolutely could have had Grissom. Uh, this is probably to work on his glove mm-hmm. uh, and <clears throat> to work on a few other things. I do think he'll be up very quickly. And when he is, you need to scoop him up. So watch that transaction tracker. Yeah. Uh, look for when Von Grissom comes up because I think that he'll be a big impact for Michael Massey. Man, if he can get towards the top of this lineup, which I'm not sure how he does that. Uh, I, I'd like him a lot more, but he is someone who I think could be, you know, if he plays the full season, I think he probably will. 
mm-hmm. right? Um, right now they show him as maybe on a platoon with a guy like Matt Duffy. But what? Why do? The, why would the Royals care about what Matt Duffy brings to the table? Hmm. Right. I mean, this is a guy. I mean, he's a guy. He's a guy to fill in for them when Hunter Dozier needs a day off. Uh, but you know, so so we'll see how it goes with um with Michael Massey. I, I don't think Nicky Lopez is a threat because they're both left. You know, they're both already left-handed and they know what they have in Nicky Lopez. But Michael Massey, I think, is a guy who, if he played a full season, there's like 20 home run, 10 stolen base upside mm-hmm. in a full season, which again, in a 12 team league is more of like a streamer, especially at the bottom of a Royals lineup where it's hard for him to get any real counting stats, but in a 15 team league or something where, you know, you need the second baseman shortstop and middle infielder and things like that with these deeper rosters, there's definitely value because he's going to play. I I just don't think the Royals need to see anything else from these other guys on their bench, right? Like what, what on earth are Jackie Bradley Jr., Fran Mill Reyes, and Matt Duffy doing on this roster? I mean, maybe <laughs> Fran Mill Reyes because he's not quite 28, and I guess he'd be a power bat in a park that is one of the worst parks for him to go to because it suppresses power so much. But uh, why? Why is why is this happening? Why why are, why is this team doing this? It was bu- I was bummed to see Drew Waters get hurt. That's probably why Jackie Bradley Jr. and Fran Mill Reyes are on this roster. But come on, man. Like there's, there's nothing you need to learn. It's just going to be a reason for them to jerk around at uh, Edward Oliveris all over again. I agree. I agree with you. The players you just mentioned uh, probably shouldn't be, you know, have a big role in a team that's rebuilding like the Royals. You know, you need to see what you have with the, uh, the young core group on your team. So, uh, you know, um, Luis Severino uh, going down with a, Low-grade right lat strain, which is uh, – I mean, look at all the injuries the Yankees have had. <laughs> so, But uh, the uh, Braves uh, announced that uh, Kyle Wright's going to open the season on the IL, and that opens up two spots in their rotation. Uh, Jared Schuster got a lot of helium. I, I drafted him in a couple of leagues. Had a, a big spring, 18 strikeouts, four walks. So he's – I believe he's going to be their SP3. And then that leaves uh, the door open for Dylan Dodd to make the team and open the the uh, season uh, in their rotation. And he had another he's another guy that had a big spring, 20 strikeouts and four walks as well. So if you're looking for, you know, pitching help, uh, these two guys might uh, you know suffice. Yeah, I've probably got them more as like. uh like streamers for the first two weeks. I think Kyle Wright probably comes back after the minimum stay. That's the way it's Mm -hmm. sounding right now. Uh, And again, early in the season, we see lots of, you know, postponements. We see lots of games delayed in the middle of the game. It's hard to say exactly how much, how long some of these guys will be in, because even if you slate Dodd for two turns in the rotation, will it actually be two turns? Because they will totally skip him if they get stuck with a day off. Hmm. Right. Uh, So so something to think about, because they're not going to you know, they're they're not going to start Dodd when it's Freed's fifth day. Hmm. Right. Or Charlie Morton's fifth day. Right. I just don't see them doing that. So, uh, you know, Jared Schuster, not to be confused with American curling gold medalist, John Schuster, uh, Jared. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people were confused. Yes. yes. Look, the the curling season is over. So I just got to I got to fit it in where I can. But, you know, Jared (laughs) Schuster, a guy who I think is definitely interesting because even when Kyle Wright comes back, I think Schuster stays in. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we we already saw a couple other guys hit hit the IL. We saw Mike Soroka got optioned down. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he's someone who hasn't really pitched meaningful innings in the majors since 2019. So I was interested to see what would happen with him, but he's been coming back from injury. So it, it won't be his year. He did have a crazy 2.68 ERA, Mike Soroka back mm-hmm. in 2019 it, in all of all years to have a great ERA. It was 2019. But, yeah, right. Uh, you know, it, it just hasn't worked out for him since. So I think Schuster's the one you want to target. Uh, questions as to how many guys he'll actually strike out. Uh, 48.2 innings in AAA last season. Uh, after, you know, he, tons of strikeouts in A and AA. But then in AAA, they really slowed down. I, I don't know the reason for that. I did not really have any eyes on him. So I'm curious to see if that's because he ran into better hitters who wouldn't go after some of his off-speed stuff or if it's something else. So, uh, you know, obviously Jared Schuster won this spot over Ian Anderson. So he's the one I think long-term you want to look at. And I'll definitely be listening to see what Nick has to say about Jared Schuster Mm -hmm. uh, as sort of as we go, because I I think all of us are kind of one. He's he's a big question mark. And again, 12 team leagues, maybe a streamer, depending on the early, uh, early schedule, but someone you definitely want to keep your eye on. I think Nick uh, picked him up in your league. So I think he's going to give him a shot. So, <laughs> I mean, for a dollar. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. right. Do- dollar in a dream. That's all it takes. Right. Uh, last uh, player I want to talk about uh, due to the injury that Reese Hoskins, first baseman for the Phillies, uh, suffered uh, torn ACL. Uh, suffered the injury on a non-contact play. So uh, Derek Hall all of a sudden has some uh, potential fantasy value, hit 37 home runs between his time in AAA and the Phillies last season. So big power bat. Uh, Basically, uh, you know, I I think he's probably like a 240, 250 hitter, but like I said, a lot of power. 240, 250 would be great. Uh, You know, Derek Hall. Optimistic. (laughs) Optimistic. Yeah, so Derek Hall is... Large, you know, they're they're saying he's going to get the majority of the playing time. He's probably going to look more like a large side of the platoon. He is just a classic lefty masher, mm-hmm. right? If you know, in terms of like, they don't look the same, but if you just like swap this stat, you know, if you swapped his stat line with you know any other big lefty masher, you'd probably get about the same thing. He doesn't walk as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would like to see him walk more. That's how guys like Danny Vogelbach get more relevance, right? Because Vogelbach is this lefty matcher, strikes out way too much, but at least he walks, right? right? He gets on base. The OVP is great. You don't see that with Derek Hall. Um, Derek Hall is going to strike out probably around 25 to 30% of the time, uh, but he's going to hit a bunch of bombs. And if I had, you know, I'm trying to think of a player who I would comp him to. And although he's right-handed, it's going to feel like Patrick Wisdom. Oh boy. Um, okay. Maybe a few, like a little bit less strikeouts, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully, but that's kind of what you're looking at. You're looking at a low batting average and a bunch of home runs. Mm. All right. Yeah, yeah, Patrick Wisdom is mean because I he strikes out like more than 30% of the time, and I don't think Hall yeah. will do that, but it'll yeah. be close. He struck out 31% of the time in 42 games, but when you look at his numbers in the minor leagues, they're more in the you know, like the low 20 to mid 20 range in terms of his strikeout rate. So yeah, he's, he likes to swing the bat, but like I said, got a lot of power. So yeah, this, um, this was not enough. So I, 
you know, just to plug it out there while we're getting towards the end of the show, I, I did the first hitter list of the season. It came out on Friday. Awesome. So it's out there. Um, this news was not enough for me to care. Derek Hall Mm -hmm. is not on this list because I don't think there's a lot of long-term upside. I, instead, if I was to put him on there, it might be in place of a guy like Eric Hosmer or Brandon belt, but Mm -hmm. those guys might actually have other things, you know, depending on your league or format, those guys might even be a little more interesting to you. Uh, Trey Mancini, because I think he's got more upside than Derek. Derek Hall is a one trick pony. It's all power. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. So uh, we're going to see live baseball action this week, uh, opening day um, later this week. And uh, Scott, it's been great. Uh, you could follow my friend uh, Scott Chu at If the Chu Fits. You can follow me at Joe Galina. And uh, Scott, my, my best to you. Hopefully, you know we're taking it week by week with you and and, and your wife and uh, the impending pregnancy, uh, pregnancy, the the birth of your uh, twins. So, uh, yeah, just you know, and yeah, we'll up. we'll see how it goes. We, we might miss a week uh, for mm-hmm. that, but mm-hmm. otherwise, uh, we'll still be around. I'm still doing the hitter list. Uh, I'll have someone fill in for me for when that happens. But uh, you know. You know, please go check it out. Let me know what you think. Um, the one thing I'll say is you know, you'll see a ranking change, even though it's my first one. It's a change from the preseason rankings I did. Uh, players that made huge jumps from... So I did I did a hitter list back at the end of the season last year. Mm-hmm. And the guys that moved up the most are Corbin Carroll. He moved up like 50 slots. <laughs> he's, wow. uh, he's inside the top 40. Tyler O'Neill is just outside the top 50. He moved up 41 slots. Uh, mm-hmm. Brandon Lau. Uh, 51 slots. He went up. Uh, he's in my, you know, he's at ranked 80. Masataka Yoshida, of course, was not on my radar at that time. Uh, mm-hmm. So he, he moved way up. Uh, and just, you know, a couple other guys that were on, that were unrated that moved way up. I think Adam Duvall, not unlike Derek Hall, except more proven power than right. Derek Hall. Someone to keep in mind, Tyler Stevenson, the catcher. I think he's got the most upside of any catcher outside the top five. Agreed. Uh, so he, he's someone you should really be keeping an eye on. And then I think the other name I wanted to call out was Brendan Donovan, who might actually lead off for those Cardinals. Um, I don't think there's going to be a lot of power there. He's like mm-hmm. a 10 to 12 home run guy, but he's got that Luisa Reyes, Jeff McNeil sort of skill set, uh, which at the top of a team of a lineup for a team like the Cardinals could really turn into some fantasy gold there. And he's eligible all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, important. All right. So uh, we'll be looking for that. And I guess that just slams the lid on things for this week. And uh, as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time.